You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety who's in for Cordell Stewart today. On today's podcast, we're going to spotlight injuries with injury analyst Will Carroll, provide your fantasy fix, and pass along our game picks for all of Sunday's action. Plus, we'll visit with NFL safety Will Allen. Brian, let's kick off the podcast with former NFL defensive back Gerard Cherry. Brian, let's start with the windless Browns. When you look at Hugh Jackson in the front office, what changes could be coming and should be coming, in your view, in the offseason? Well, there will probably be wholesale changes coming, but this is going to shock you. I hope they don't come. And you're probably saying, what the heck is wrong with you? But the Browns are a special situation and condition. I know the record doesn't speak well for Hugh or Sashi keeping their job, and Sashi obviously is the GM. But I just think you're in a situation with the Browns where you just got to have consistency for consistency's sake because you're going to, once again, bring in a new regime. That new regime is going to fire everybody and going to start all over again. And when you go in a situation where you pretty much get rid of anyone over the age of 30 outside of Joe Thomas and a couple other players and start with a young group of rookies and first- and second-year players, you're asking for trouble. And that's what they've got these past two seasons. Uh, Gerard, when you look at the fact of uh, Coach Hugh Jackson has come out several times and said that he wanted to make certain moves. He wanted to get certain players. We know about the Deshaun Watson issue recently. Well, the I, I guess the flub on whatever email or fax to get a A.J. McCarron, someone that he's familiar with, with the Cincinnati Bengals. What does that say when it appears as though the head coach in the front office can't get on the same page to right the ship as far as the personnel standpoint. It doesn't say a good message, that's for sure, Nick. That's a, it's a bad message. And, heck, you can make the argument that it is a fireable offense, that you can't do a simplistic thing like turn a piece of paper in on time because that's your job to, to push papers and have things signed and checked off. So I feel you totally in that regard. And that is a problem. And one of the things that I've noticed, since I've been in Cleveland, is that whenever the situation comes about where the head coach and the front office are not on the same page, people get fired. So that doesn't bode well for you or Sashi if they can't come across to the public and in private, as well as to the owner when they have their conversations with them, that they are on the same page. Because that has been the case with the past four regimes that I've covered, that if you're not on the same page, he lets you go, and that being Mr. Haslam. Taking it around the league with Gerard Cherry, the former NFL safety. Let's take you back to your experience winning those rings in New England. Tom Brady playing tremendous football. He's right there with Carson Wentz in the MVP race, and he's 40 years old. But, Gerard, I'll give you the grandest cliche of them all. Father time is undefeated. Do you think Brady can really continue to play at a high level until he's 45? Yes, I really do. And I am a Tom Homer, so you're going to get a biased. <laughs> objective answer from me from the get-go. <laughs> so that's just how I roll with Tom Brady. But the truth of the matter is the way the quarterback position is set up now, barring a serious injury or some fluke or tackle going the wrong way on him, yeah, he can play the 45. He's that encouraged. He's that motivated. And the protection that's in place, I mean, Aaron Rodgers would disagree with me right now, but with the protection that the quarterbacks have and how the game is 
much easier than when Nick and I played, in my opinion, as far as all the things that let receivers and quarterbacks get away with in order to increase the scoring opportunities. I don't see why he couldn't play into his mid-40s. If he has a desire, he's proven that, hey, he's capable of doing anything on the football field. Roy, we, we continue to see the Patriots do it year in, year out. And we're talking about Tom Brady being 40 and, and how much longer can he play at this particular level. But I'll ask you this, as a guy who spent time in that New England organization, take take us behind the curtain, if you will, because over the years, even when I played, even now, you always hear about the Patriots' way. Well, what 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 is that? Is that just something that uh, Bill Belichick kind of created, or is that something that really does exist? It, it certainly is a mind state. And to be frank with you, Nick, if you look at your career and how you approach ball and what you were able to do with the Jets as well as Denver, you have that same mind state as well. You're going to do whatever you need to do to be a team player, get things done, and make it happen. And what Bill does a great job of doing to this day is finding guys who love football, and I would say more so than what comes with football. And what I mean by that is you have guys who love playing, but they're more caught up in the cars, the nightlife, the fanfare, and things of that nature more so than, hey, I simply love playing football. Yeah, I appreciate those things, and I would definitely take advantage of them and will partake in certain aspects of it. But when push comes to shove, I'm a football player first, and I want to get the job done. I want to make things happen. I have a sense of pride about me and ability and a belief that I have something to prove on a regular basis. My, my, no matter if we're winning or if we're losing, I'm still going to go out there and perform at my highest level. So he does a masterful job, Bill, that is, of locating those guys and assembling a team around that mindset. He's Nick Ferguson in for Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber. Gerard Sherry, former NFL safety, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Gerard, you played for the Saints. As you think about their renaissance this year, how much are you buying them at this stage of the season? Yes, they've had an incredible eight-game winning streak after back-to-back losses to start the year, but they gave up a ton of points at home against Washington, and now they've been hit hard by injuries in the secondary heading into a matchup against the high-powered Rams offense. Well, to their credit, they found some defense, and when the defense and the offense are able, and well with special teams, play complimentary football, great things happen. And that's what you've seen these past few weeks. And to the offense's credit, they didn't quit when the defense was giving up point after point after point to the Redskins. So I do like their chances. But if I was really to say who I really, really, really think is going to make it happen in the NFC, I'm going to side with the Vikings over the Eagles and the Saints. I just think what they're doing on defense is so special and that even with Chase Keenum not being celebrated as the next Tom Brady, but just a game manager, I think he's doing a phenomenal job, and I believe that that team will be a force to be reckoned with, especially if they find a way to get, well, they're indoors now, so it doesn't matter if they get home to the families, but they're not playing. So I just think they're a better football team out there, and I really like what's taking place in Minnesota, but I do appreciate what's going on in New Orleans and that they finally had a defense to match Sean's great offensive play calling. You know what, Gerard, yeah, as a defender myself, former defender myself, I find that very interesting. You sided with the Minnesota Vikings and what they've been able to do defensively and Coach Zimmer, opposed to Jim Schwartz and what they have been kind of really doing on the defensive side. Because I still think, you know, Philly, they have some veterans on that team and guys like Fletcher Cox that can still, in that wide nine, you know, get after the quarterback. And knowing as though Carson Wentz has been playing sensational in his in his second year, very, very impressive so much that 
we're now looking at him as a possible you know, front runner, close neck and neck with Tom Brady uh, to be the league MVP. But what is it that you see that is a little different with the Minnesota defense that you're not seeing in Philly? Yeah, it's probably me just being biased because I'm mad Wentz is not in Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> that, now, now the truth comes out. <laughs> but yeah, to their credit, they are doing a phenomenal job as well in June Sports. Detroit, he's making things happen as a coordinator in Philly. And yeah, that ball in two is just ah, and I and I played for Philadelphia at one point in time too. So that's another bias that where it's like, well, yeah, because I want to go back there and they didn't invite me back. So that's probably a more neat thing. See, now, now with, with, with what you just said, putting Minnesota ahead of them, then they may listen to that and may not invite you back anymore. See, you just made it worse. <laughs> Come on now. I'm trying to help you out. No, man. You could have helped me out two years ago when they didn't slide your back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind words, Nick, but Gerard's got bills to pay. Gerard, we appreciate you taking the time. I saved this for the end. It should not slant our friendship that is developing here. I went to Stanford, but I called your games in college for Sports Channel Pacific. Uh, I, I remember. Right now. Nice talking to y'all. Ah, don't say goodbye yet. I remember how good you were for the Golden Bears. And if memory serves, you went to Berkeley High School as well. Did you consider Stanford at all, or you knew you were staying in the East Bay? Uh, funny thing is, I actually did consider Stanford, but being the knucklehead that I was, as I tried to jog my memory of what, what happened, I didn't properly, I believe, fill out an application. Well, that would help, Gerard. That's the first step. (laughs) (laughs) That's the test. If you can actually get into Stanford, can you fill out the paperwork correctly? I was like, that's way too much work, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, it was fun calling your games a million years ago in the mid-90s. Congratulations on a great career. We enjoyed the conversation. Hope to chat with you again on the NFL on TuneIn. All right, take care, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake at the block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern, only on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's focus on injuries with Will Carroll. Well, hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Let's now focus on what's coming up on Sunday. What can you tell us about the nature and severity of the shoulder injury that sidelined Robert Woods of the Rams? Yeah, this is a tough one because, again, you have to remember what is the function and what kind of things are going to hold Robert Woods back? You know, uh, obviously, they've got to throw to him. He's got to be able to pull the ball down. If he can't get his arms out, he can't function. And this is the big question in this case. Who can they go to? Is it Watkins? Is it Cup? You know, obviously, Woods is a second, third option in this offense. Uh, I think they'll, they'll just pull him back. Uh, it's unfortunate. They'll, they'll watch him closely, but... Uh, since they have so many options, I think they'll be going in different directions this week. 
Well, Nick Ferguson here. You know, there's been a lot of talk and speculation of what's going on with the Buffalo Bills. And uh, we know the outside uh-huh. the numbers, uh, they didn't really have any impact players. They go out and get Kevin Benjamin. He gets injured uh, in the San Diego Chargers game. Is he expected to play this week? And what's the severity of his injury? Yeah, this is the, the big question is, you know, obviously the quarterback situation is a, a mystery to everybody, including apparently the Bills staff. You know, does it matter who goes out there? Um, you know, if, if he's out there, uh, how much is he going to be functional? Is he going to be Peterman? Is he going to be uh, Tyrod Taylor? Man, this is just such a mess of a situation. You want to stay away from it because there's no certainty. And from a, a football perspective, you don't want that. But from a fantasy, a fantasy perspective, you really don't want that. There's just too much uncertainty to stay away from it completely. Talking injuries with Will Carroll. Well, let me take you to Seattle. The Legion of Boom, batter, no Richard Sherman, no Camp Chancellor. How concerned should the Seahawks be about Chancellor's neck issue in the long term? Very concerned. You know, neck injuries are serious. You start talking about the spinal cord, you have to worry. You have to worry about how he's going to be able to adjust, what it's going to do to his career. And you wonder how much is he going to put into the future? Are you happy with the fact that you've done this much uh, and that, you know, you, you really kind of put money in the bank, you push towards the future, or do you want to come back if you want to go out on your own terms? So there's really nothing to tell. Um, same with Sherman. You think Sherman will come back, but he's the kind of guy who could walk away from football and have a lot of other things to do. So definitely concerns for them in the long term. There's no way to replace those kind of guys. And it's going to be interesting. You can't replace them in the short term. You can't replace them in the long term. It's not like you go out and say, I'm going to draft another great all-time safety. I'm going to draft another cornerback who can absolutely shut people down. This is going to be a tough thing. So how long is uh, Pete Carroll going to hang around as well? Well, you know, Leonard Fournette burst on the scene, and he's done a great job out of the backfield for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but uh, he's been hampered with some lower leg uh, injuries. Uh, do you expect him to play, and is this a great move if the Jacksonville Jaguars decide to play them, knowing as though that they could actually win the division that they're in? They absolutely could. The question is, can they do it without him, and how much are they going to rely on him? That ankle has been a question for a long time. He had the problems when he was at LSU. He had the problems uh, for years. A lot of teams had questions of where do you draft him, depending on this. Is he going to miss the whole season because of surgery? Is he going to be able to play through it? Uh, A lot of teams are worried about him. That's the reason he fell to the Jaguars in the first place. So this is a guy who they're going to be watching him closely. He's been able to play through it. How long is he going to be able to play through it? I think they're going to push. Uh, Obviously, uh, this is a team that's gone way beyond where we thought they'd be. Uh, The Titans have had a lot of problems. The Colts have been uh, miserable. Uh, Same thing for the Houston Texans. So I think they're going to push through. Obviously, Fournette is going to have to get that ankle tightened up at some point. Same kind of surgery that we go back to with somebody like Steph Curry. Uh, Steph Curry fell in the draft because nobody thought his ankles were going to hold up. Same thing with Fournette. So uh, I think they're going to try to push him as long as they can, and it'll be an off-season thing rather than an in-season thing. 
Injury analyst Will Carroll is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Will, last one for me. Eagles rookie quarterback Sidney Jones, you'll recall, ruptured his Achilles at Washington's Pro Day in the spring before he was drafted. Hasn't played all season, but hopes to be ready for the Eagles' postseason scenarios. How realistic is that? It is. Uh, You know, um, with this, he's been coming back. He's been coming back. Having good uh, rehab, uh, you've seen what they've done with Darby, who uh, dislocated his ankle in that, that preseason game. They've been able to bring him back slowly but steadily. I think they've got a chance to bring him back, and because of the way they've got the roster set up, I think it's going to be a good thing. And uh, the, the Eagles have themselves set up for a, a, a really good setup through the, the, the postseason, uh, even before that. You know, Darby's been really good with that uh, dislocated ankle. We've seen several of these this season, whether it's in the NFL or even uh, Gordon Hayward in the NBA. Tough, tough injury. But they, they brought guys through there, and I, I think they've got a great situation. Well, the Carolina Panthers uh, find themselves at 7-3, and three, and uh, with Greg Olson being out, uh, Egg Dixon received a lot of receptions from Cam Newton. Now, you know, Greg Olson said that he feels great. Yep. He wants to play in the game. All likelihood that Greg Olson plays in the game, and if he does, how effective could he be for Cam Newton? I really do think he's going to be able to be effective. They've obviously done uh, really well with that Dixon. He's stepped into that role. But obviously, Olsen has a lot more speed. He's been able to find those seams. I do think that because of the role he has, the physicality that he has with his size, he's going to be able to step back in. I don't think there's going to be a major deficit for him. 100% no, but you know, 80% of, uh, uh, of Greg Olsen is going to be a very good thing for Cam Newton. They have such a connection that I really think it's going to help them. Uh, so they'll go all the way into the playoffs with him. It's not like he has to play the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, with Olsen, I think the minute he gets back, he makes that team better. Well, tremendous information as always. We appreciate your time. Enjoy the rest of the holiday weekend. We'll chat with you again next week on the NFL on TuneIn. Thanks a lot, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Hi, this is Ned Coletti from MLB on TuneIn, inviting you to check out my new audiobook, The Big Chair, today on TuneIn Premium. The day Frank McCourt made me the 10th general manager in the long, proud history of the Los Angeles Dodgers, November 15th, 2005, was monumental for the Coletti family. I've been blessed to spend the last 35 years in Major League Baseball, all with iconic franchises, the Cubs, the Giants, and the Dodgers, where I was a general manager for nine seasons. In the big chair, I let listeners in on the intricacies of being an executive and a GM of a major sports franchise, share the process behind the trades, free agency, and the deals, shedding some light on how the money and decision-making really works. I'll also take you deep inside some of the thought process behind some of the major decisions that led to success and titles, along with heartbreak and failure. If you're a baseball fan, come for the inside and grit. If you're a sports fan, stay for the heart. Catch every exciting chapter of my new audiobook, The Big Chair, today on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now let's take you around the league with former NFL safety Will Allen. Will, we appreciate you taking the time. Since it's the holiday season, I want to start with the great work your foundation's been doing. What can you tell us about what the holiday giving program has achieved in recent years? 
Oh, it's uh, it's definitely helped out uh, a lot of families. You know, we've partnered with the Boys and Girls Club uh, in Western Pennsylvania and also in Dayton, Ohio, um, in recent years. Uh, most most currently with um, the Boys and Girls Club of you know South, uh, Western Pennsylvania, and uh, just really helping families um, during the holidays are they're in really really uh, um, poor economic situations and really need some help and. You know, we want to be that 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 catalyst and that that help, and, and then but but bring the community um, around the family. So you know, we raise dollars, and um, you know, we bring volunteers in, and we you know we shut down the whole entire store. And the special part is that we we have the, the young people, the you know the, our, our young our young kids or the families shop for their family, so they know what it means to serve their family. They're not just getting a gift and hanging out with a few you know NFL players, but you know they're they're taking a vital role. Of, of helping their families, serving their families, and then we give them a special gift at the end, some educational tablet or, you know, some Beats by Dre headphones or something real cool like that. And um, the kids are really excited. It's a really fun time, um, and um, it's, it's really exciting. Well, Nick Ferguson, listen, now both of us played in the secondary, and for me, I'm sure you have the same philosophy. Everything starts there. We, we watch – as the Pittsburgh Steelers struggled at the beginning of the year. They went and traded for Joe Hayden. He came in. He got injured. But we saw some some young guys not only step in, but, but step up. But talk to us about the defensive mentality because you've been in that locker room. You've been around that cult, culture. Why is that, that philosophy has been in place for so long? Well, it's a, first, it's a great culture. You know, the Steelers from, you know, Mr. Rooney, um, Big Chief to Dan to now Art leading the way, leading the team, has created just a culture of opportunity. And um, and really everybody is, is considered a starter when they're on the field and everybody's treated fairly. Um, and and when, you're, when, you're, when you get that sense from the person who's writing your checks, you know, you want to go fight. You want to go fight for them. You want to go fight for the, your head coach. And, you know, the opportunity is available. I mean, obviously you're going to have your stars and there has to be certain moves made. To, to 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 ensure that there's a successful season, but you know a guy like Sensabaugh coming in and uh, getting an interception, um, you know being a backup playing on special teams, you know he showed his worth. He showed uh, you know to the team, you know this is what I've been working on. This is what I've been doing in the lab, and you got and it's always an encouraging environment. So, you know in the locker room, in the defensive back room especially, we we had a model. You know and the model was when one brother make a play, we all make a play. So it's an equal opportunity and everybody celebrating together, wanting the next man to really compete and get on the field from the starters. Uh, Troy Palomalo led that way, you know, from a backup. It doesn't matter. Um, we're, all, we're all collectively winning and earning together. So I think that's a, that's a boost of encouragement when you're coming off the bench and you're called in to start. You know, you have that confidence. Like, you know, my, my, my teammates are expecting me to make a play and they trust me to. Um, and, and it's and it's a it's a great atmosphere to go out and do it, and, and it's, it, we cultivate that every time. So it, it, it's good to see that continuation, and we'll see what the Steelers are, are made of these next couple of weeks. He's Nick Ferguson. I'm Brian Weber, chatting with Will Allen, the former NFL safety. So, Will, if we're thinking about how the particulars of the season could play out for the Steelers. As you know, they've had trouble beating the Patriots in the playoffs. Go back to last year's AFC title game. Le'Veon Bell got hurt. That changed everything. Do you think an improved Steelers defense could lead to a different outcome in the playoffs this year? 
Absolutely. I mean, they played them tough last year. You know, a couple big breaks, a couple big plays. They were a little undisciplined at times. I mean, they sacked Brady, I believe, five times. Um, But turnovers are the key. If they can get multiple turnovers as if they've been doing and get off on third down, then they they, they give themselves an opportunity to win. And I think the offense will be uh, rolling on cylinders at that time, and they'll be able to put up some uh, bigger points than what they've been doing. Um, And and if Le'Veon's healthy, you know, he's kind of the X factor. Um, it gives them a, a tremendous boost. But the key to beat the Patriots is, you know, getting turnovers and getting off on third down. If you can't do that consistently for the entire, entire for the entirety of the game, you know, we've seen what happened last year in the Super Bowl. You know, the Atlanta Falcons couldn't do it for the whole game. And it gave them it gave them just a small window, New England a small window. So you gotta do it for sixty minutes. Um and you gotta be competitive and uh, I think I think the Steelers can come out with a win. I think they're priming up to this game because they know how much it means to them, especially if they're trying to get home field advantage um, throughout the playoffs. Juju Smith-Schuster has been impressive in his rookie season so far. Now as he's been ruled out uh, of the game with that uh, hamstring injury, and we know how those soft tissue injuries uh, can linger. But now Martavius Bryant, a guy who was a big play threat for Ben, Big Ben in this offense, and we know about the whole Twitter rant and that whole idea. But now it seems like with Juju being out, he's going to get his opportunity. You know, how much does his athletic ability add to what the Steelers want to do from an offensive standpoint, and how does that complement Antonio Brown on the opposite side? Yeah, I mean, he's he's a he, that's what they call him the alien, you know, because that's what he is, man. He's a you know, he has a wide range, he has the speed, he can, he can jump, he can run all the routes. Uh, he, he just call, causes a different dynamic, and then when he's on, he's catching the balls and you know, and really posing to be a threat. Um, to, to 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 secondaries, I mean, it, it just frees up AB so much. But I, I would I would also say, you know, with him, you know, taking guys all over the top, you get you get plays um, out, of, out of Jesse James, and you also get plays out of Eli Rogers because those those guys are getting more one on one matchups. Um, teams are sitting back in the zones, they're finding the open holes in the zones. So I mean, it frees up everybody really, uh, and that's what you need out of Martavis. You need him. To go to go out, you know, create some big plays, get teams playing a little bit more zone. So now you can uh, command more on a third down and second down and manage those instead of getting in more third and long situations. I mean, the Steelers haven't been out, been doing that well in third and long situations if they get behind the chains, and it's because they're not they're not posing that that deep ball threat as much, and people are double teaming AB, so it's making it difficult. Will Allen is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Will you also played in Dallas, so. Let's spend a few moments on what is going wrong for America's team. It's easy to focus on Dak Prescott. It's a quarterback-driven league, and he was phenomenal a year ago. Obviously, not having Ezekiel Elliott's been a major obstacle to overcome. But watching that game yesterday, what happened defensively? Phillip Rivers picked them apart, and he was not sacked once. Yeah, I mean, Philip Philip Rivers is a great quarterback. Uh, you know, I've known him since college. I played against him at when you know at NC State. We went in three overtimes. So I've seen his his miraculous athletic ability and, and quarterback play over the years. And he, you know, he seems to not slow down. But um, man, it's it's tough. It's tough to beat. Sandy, I mean, Los Angeles <laughs> Chargers now. And uh, I mean, the Dallas Cowboys. I don't really know the answer. I mean, you lost a lot of guys in the secondary a year ago. I mean, you lost, I guess, three or four starters, um, and guys who had significant play time. That playing time that that hurts. Um, you got young guys still trying to trying to figure out the game, and uh, that that hurts. And then you, 
and you got injuries on offense. So I mean, it, it hurts, man. And, and the last couple of years, those guys have had you know been pretty much injury free. Um, offensive line has been you know tremendous, um, and, and, and so it just you know just a matter of how are you going to now play defense um, considering the injuries, considering the, the youth in the secondary, because rush and coverage go together. Um, and if you, if guys in the back end are, are providing just a little bit more time for the rushers, or if the rushers aren't getting a you know those four rushers aren't providing more pressure uh, for the back end, it's going to be difficult to, to stop any quarterback. So and especially a guy like Phillip Rivers. So it's a combination of things. I don't think it's just one aspect of the game for the Cowboys. Um, I still think they have tremendous team, tremendous coaches, and they still have opportunity here to to, to to get some more wins at the end of the year to see what this playoff picture will be like. But um, you know, come, overcoming injuries is tough. Well, well, let's let's go a little more in depth because uh, over our career, we've you know mutually played in different type of systems, and watching Rod Marinelli's defense, this cover two defense. And I, I've had my frustrations over the years when I've played in the system and watching the game yesterday. I saw some breakdown breakdowns in cover two. From what you've seen in that cover two defense, how difficult is it to play in the back end when you're playing in that coverage? Uh, it's difficult without a pass rush, you know, and that, that's what the, that's what it's all predicated up front with those four uh, rushmen. And if you're not getting heat uh, on a quarterback and making him throw it quickly. You know, to the to, you know to the outside and you know throwing checkdowns. Um, it's it's just not a it's, it's it's really not a great defense to run. It's it's a complimentary um, defense to run. But uh, I don't I'm not sure if that's so much their base defense as it is a defense they're trying to you know incorporate more. Um, but it does hurt you if you're not getting the pass rush. And as you guys mentioned, they didn't get any sacks um, yesterday. And I mean they 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 get sacks. You know the Dallas Cowboys get they got some pass rushers. So I don't know exactly what happened. Um, this past game, but you know you got to be able to switch the defense up. So I think they have. I know when I was there, we met, we ran more of a four-three um, zone defense, um, a little similar to how Seattle was running. I'm, I'm not sure what um, Rob Manelli is running now. I haven't been there in a few years, but um, you know those guys. I Man, you got to get rush up front. If you're not getting rush up front, <laughs> no defense is good. <laughs> Well, we appreciate the insights and congratulations again on what your foundation is doing. Holidays remind us that it's important to keep other folks in mind. So great work, Will, and we appreciate you joining us today on the NFL on TuneIn. Oh, thanks for having having me. I appreciate it, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. Stay up to date on the latest news as it happens on TuneIn. There are 70,000 people at risk of another life-threatening situation. From American politics to global events, get live 24-7 coverage with some of the top news media outlets in the world, including CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News Radio. And when breaking news hits, TuneIn keeps you updated with up-to-the-minute reports and analysis on the biggest stories of the day. What a moment. Absolutely. So let's get right to it. Here's our starting line. Day or night, get live news coverage from around the world on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now it's time for the Fantasy Fix with Dennis Farrell of Fantasy Football Geekly. Fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans. Makes him off to the 30. He's gone. He's gone. What a move. It takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros. He goes to the near side, and it's picked up. 
intercepted. From the fantasy heroes. Down the middle, it's caught over the shoulder in the end zone. Buckle up your chin strap for the fantasy fix. Today, we're pleased to be joined by one of the best in the business, Dennis Farrell, Fantasy Football Geekly. And Dennis has been tweeting about professional wrestling. So at the end of this conversation, because it's a working holiday weekend, we got to talk a little squared circle. But football is our focus. So, Dennis, let's start with the Panthers coming off the bye. Jets have a better defense than most pundits projected still. How much do you like Cam Newton rested and ready heading on the road to the Meadowlands this Sunday? Man, he has been so up and down all year long. This is one of these matchups I'm a little bit worried about. Your wintertime in New York, and when you just about count that Jets defense out, they do something to bring you back in. So I'm going to kind of take the foot off the gas for Cam Newton this week. I like Roethlisberger at Green Bay a little bit more. Uh, If you're a gambling man, maybe Jared Goff uh, against New Orleans. Dennis, Nick Ferguson here. You know, Chris Thomas suffered that uh, fibula injury against the New Orleans Saints, and now he's out, and uh, Kirk Cousins needs someone to step it up for him. So which player is worth picking up on that roster that could possibly pick up the slack? You know, if we're going off a Thursday night's game, I don't know if there's anybody really I'm in love with. Uh, the Samaje kid, I liked him a lot. I liked what I saw out of him, the running back. He did pretty good against that. Despite the Giants uh, giving up, if you want to say that, at least offensive-wise, that defense still comes to play. So it, it's not fair to judge that Washington offense. But, uh, you know, the Samar Day, Perion, I, I don't know, I just butchered his name. but Piron, like the all-time he, leading rusher in the history of Oklahoma football, Dennis. Uh, you know, it's Oklahoma. We're, we can't all be UGA <laughs> fans. But, but uh, I like him a lot. I had him as a top 15 running back, and he, believe it or not, he's still available in almost 40% of the league. So go out there now and pick him up. Talking fantasy football and pronunciations with our friend Dennis Farrell, Fantasy Football Geekly. Dennis, fair to say, without Ezekiel Elliott, the Cowboys have no offensive rhythm. So no Elliott for another three games. Are you stashing all the Cowboy playmakers on your bench moving forward? I am. And as a guy that grew up in the 80s and 90s, I am pretty happy about this collapse for the Cowboys. It's, I am I'm so tired. This is just me personally. I'm tired of Cowboys fans talking about the 1990s. It's, it's over, guys. And without Ezekiel Elliott, this offense has just been flat. Uh, I told someone two weeks ago it's time to trade it. Uh, Dak Prescott. They laughed at me. He was averaging over 20 points a game in the last two games. He's been flat. If you own a Dallas Cowboy right now, feel free to bench him. Alfred Morris isn't even startable right now. Everybody rushed out and got him. You know, you're you're getting a guy that's pretty used up there. So, playmakers, yes, I'm I'm benching them all PPR leagues right now until you can find something better. Ezekiel is the the spark plug in this offense, and it shows. Dennis, who would have believed that the fact that you know the Saints are able to win games? not just by Drew Brees throwing the ball, but by running the ball. Ingram and Kamara have been uh, fantastic, and especially in, in fantasy. Is there a wide receiver on that team that you would recommend to fantasy owners? Ted Ginn, widely available in most leagues. And when I, I was one of those guys that thought Willie Sneak came back, Ted Ginn would have no value, and it would be Willie Sneak would be the number two wide receiver. It hasn't happened yet. 
Willie Sneed is easily droppable in all formats right now. He is he's a ghost. Uh, Ted Ginn is the guy you would want. He is he's just been on fire. I, this is the best I think I've seen Ted Ginn play in five six years. And he's actually holding on to the football, which is a novel development. Dennis, as we think about all of the issues surrounding the Bills' offense, Tyrod Taylor back in the starting lineup. Kansas City has defensive problems of their own. They're so desperate, they called up Darrell Revis and said, come on down, play for us moving forward. Starting on Sunday, would you buy anybody on the business end of a Tyrod Taylor pass? We know that Kelvin Benjamin's banged up. Any of those receivers stand out for the Buffalo Bills? Just Charles Clay, and he's even banged up himself. Uh, Tyrod has been pretty successful in targeting his tight ends, making plays happen with his legs, but the fantasy points are not there right now consistently with wide receivers. And I think if you went on the waiver wire, you could probably find three or four wide receivers I'd rather have. Corey Coleman, uh, even though he's going up against Cincinnati right now, he's widely available. I think you can go out there right now and pick him up. He's only owned in 31% of leagues. I'd take a risk on a good one out of San Francisco. This guy is pretty available in about 11% of leagues he's only owned in. And I backtracking a little bit, but maybe take a flyer on Ryan Grant. I kind of like what I saw. He did nothing against the Giants. He had a nice game against the, the New Orleans Saints, but with Dallas, uh, Chargers, and Arizona coming up, he might be one of those just stash guys you could sit on. Dennis Leonard Fournette has been sensational in his debut for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but he's been hindered by uh, those ankle injuries. Uh, with that in mind, uh, do you stick with him or do you just kind of sit him or you part ways with him? At this point in the season, you're running with him no matter what. Uh, Leonard Fournette is just one of those dynamic guys in you're not going to find anything better on the waiver wire. Right now I have him ranked seventh overall this week in my running back rankings, and you're not going to put him on the bench, especially if you're dealing with injuries at this point. You're going to have to roll with him. He's, he's part of the makeup of your team, and you're not going to find any better on the, on the waiver wire at this point. Finally, Dennis, tell our listeners what they're going to learn when they check out Fantasy Football Geekly, and they should follow you on Twitter as I do. It's Dennis77Farrell. Why are you holding the big gold belt in that photo? That, that is my fantasy football championship belt. I got that in the Celebrity Fantasy Football League. It was myself, Rob Riggle. Um, let's see here. Matt Walsh from HBO's Veep was in that league. A couple of the guys from Super Troopers and Beer Fest. And uh, Ron Livingston, if you remember him from Office Space. A bunch of other guys in that league. And, of course, I won it. And, you know, just my little way of sending a message to them that, you know, I'm still kind of the best at this point. Yeah, like Ted DiBiase, rolling with the stars from Beverly Hills. All right, <laughs> you mentioned the 90s. I can't hobnob with Hollywood celebs, but I can give you useless wrestling trivia. Here's my Mount Rushmore of wrestling announcers broad, not just play-by-play, because I got to include Mean Gene Oakland, the greatest stick man in the history of pro wrestling. Dennis, I'm going... Gorilla Monsoon, Mean Gene, Jim Ross, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Tell me I'm wrong. I I think you're right. I'm not You know, looking back, I don't know if you can fit anybody else in there. That's eh, Maybe Tony Schiavone is like the fifth Beatle from yeah. WCW back. 
But, that, but even Tony, I think, would five. concede to JR. I think the other call would be before your time. Gordon Soley, the Walter Cronkite of wrestling, played it straight on WTBS in the late 1970s. Did we just become best friends? <laughs> we already were, Dennis. Enjoy the rest of the holiday weekend, and we'll chat with you soon again on the NFL on TuneIn. Thanks, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From week one to week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Fake at the block. Brady tosses. Touchdown! Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. Here's a touchdown. Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern, only on TuneIn Premium. Upgrade today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, it's time for Nick and I to go on the record with what we are more than sure is going to happen on the field on Sunday. It takes a unique ability to navigate the topsy-turvy National Football League. Drop down, get your eagle on on this one. A special vision to find clarity in an always changing sport. I was wrong. Brian and Cordell aren't just sure about their perspectives. They are more than sure. I'm more than sure. All right, Nick, not a ton of time, so we'll go with brevity as the goal, starting with the seven early games. Four and six, Tampa Bay. On the road at six and four, Atlanta. Divisional matchup. Both teams have won two straight. And, yes, the Bucks with back-to-back victories with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'll take Atlanta. I'll take Atlanta big at home. How about you? I'm going to stick with Atlanta because uh, this is the game that Atlanta needs because they need to keep pace with the Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints, especially with those games coming up in the back end of the schedule. Ryan Fitzpatrick, yeah, he won those two games, but it's going to be too much of Dan Quinn's defense in this matchup. Winless Cleveland on the road at 4-6 and six Cincinnati. Hugh Jackson used to be the offensive coordinator for the Bengals. He's gone 1-25 as the head coach of the Browns. I'll say it's going to be 1-26. I'll take the Bengals at home. <laughs> How about you? Oh, man, I can't believe we both starting out agreeing and you, because we usually don't do that. But, yeah, I'm going to go with the Bengals. They beat up on the Broncos uh, last week. They still need to find some way to end the season with some pride. And who better to beat up on than the Cleveland Browns? 6-4 Tennessee trying to bounce back from their beatdown loss on the road to Pittsburgh on Thursday Night Football at 3-7 Indianapolis. I don't think this requires much analysis. I'm taking the Titans on the road. How about you? I am going to take the Titans as well. They need to try to find a way to get back on track. Too much of that two-headed monster in the backfield, Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray. Bills are 5-5. Five five. They've lost three straight. On the road at 6-4 Kansas City. Chiefs have lost four of their last five games, but they're going to get, I think, the benefit of a fragile Bills team psychologically, even though they're going back to Tyrod Taylor. I'm taking Kansas City at home. How about you? I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills. I mean, you talk about Tyrod Taylor. That offense and that defense is going to be inspired to kind of get him back to the forefront, especially of what we've seen putting Nate McPeterman into the game. Buffalo Bills win this game. Divisional matchup, AFC East. Two teams moving in different directions. Miami's lost four straight. Guided by Matt Moore. No Jay Cutler. Still in the concussion protocol. On the road at New England. A prohibitive favorite. Looking for their seventh consecutive win. Sometimes you go with the obvious choice. I'm taking the Patriots. How about you? I'm going to take the Patriots. The Miami Dolphins just find themselves as being another speed bump 
uh, for the Patriots as they move on to try to win another divisional title in the AFC East. 7-3 Carolina. They've won three straight coming off the bye at the Meadowlands, taking on the 4-6 and six Jets. Nick played for the Jets. I'll let him pick them. I won't. I'm taking the Panthers. Make it official, Nick. What's your prediction? I'm going to go with the Jets. They're playing great up front from a defensive standpoint. They're still making plays and finding ways to make plays down the field in the passing game. So the Jets win. 3-7 Chicago on the road at 9-1 Philadelphia. Eagles have won eight consecutive games, scoring 88 points the last two weeks. This is not challenging. Eagles win. How about you? Even though the Bears' defense has shown some splash signs this year, the Eagles are hitting on all cylinders. Fly, Eagles, fly. That gets us to the four late games. Six and four Seattle. Short week. After lost at home on Monday Night Football to Atlanta. On the road in San Francisco. Niners 1-9, sticking with C.J. Beathard. But, Nick, because we watch games, we know the Niners went to Seattle, almost won that game. I think this is tight in the Bay Area. I'll take Seattle because they desperately need it for at a minimum wild card hopes. I got Seattle. How about you? I'm going to take Seattle. You know, both of these defensive schemes are equal to one another. But when you look at the rosters from an offensive standpoint, Seattle has the better guys on the offensive side from a personnel standpoint. I go with the Seattle Seahawks. We just broke down the matchup between 3-7 and seven, Denver and 4-6 and six, Oakland in detail. I'm taking the silver and black. How do you see it? Well, I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos once again because now we're talking about Bill Musgrave coming in, water down, trying to water down the offensive scheme for Paxton Lynch, who's making his third start. I still think that the Denver Broncos have a better defense than the Oakland Raiders, so it's going to be a close game, but the defensive side of the ball are going to make a play to change the momentum, swing, go right back to the Denver Broncos. Marquee matchup in Southern California. 8-2 New Orleans, 3 wins away potentially I think from locking up one of those top seeds because they're going to get pushed by Carolina and Atlanta in the division but I think if they have at least 11 wins they're in great shape against a 7-3 Rams team Saints with eight consecutive wins after losing back-to-back games to start the year but I think they were exposed even though they rallied to beat Washington in overtime last week. I'm taking the Rams at home. How about you? I'm not taking the Rams. No Robert Woods in this one and we've watched Ingram and Kamara be a one-two punch for the New Orleans Saints taking the pressure off of Drew Brees even though they've given up some points. I still believe in Drew Brees over Jared Goff. All right, so you have them closer to clinching one of those top seeds because the NFC is just going to be so challenging to wind up at the top of the seeding. Final eight game, 7-3 Jags on the road at 4-6 and six Arizona. Remember, Blaine Gabbert, three touchdown passes a week ago in the loss to Houston. Won't be enough. Our Jags, I'm picking it for you, Nick. Our Jags win in the Valley of the Sun. Confirm that for me. Absolutely. Bruce Aarons believes in... Uh, Blaine Garrett, but he's going to be tested against uh, Saxonville this week. I'm going with Jags. Finally, Sunday night football. Steelers, one of the hottest teams in the league. They've won five straight. They're rested coming off the mini-bye after they dismantled the Tennessee Titans on Thursday night. Eight and two hosting. Five and five. Green Bay in disarray. Brett Hundley's been a turnover machine. No reason to sell this too hard. Pittsburgh rolls. How do you see it? No Juju Smith-Schuster, but Martavius Vines get an opportunity to now make up for those catches. And Big Ben is going to go downtown to him very often. Green Bay Packers, like you said, Huntley hasn't been that impressive turnover machine. Pittsburgh wins big. 
Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.